Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the College Financial Aid and Career Navigation Podcast. Tom and Maria Geffers of Career and College Counselors, along with nationally recognized college financial aid expert Seth Green, teach two things. How to cut the cost of college tuition an average of $19,077 per child per year, and how to land your dream job after you graduate by choosing the right career and major. To get access to more information on how you can make the right choice, simply register at www.careercollegecounselors.com slash connect. To find out how to save an average of $19,077 per year per child on college tuition, go to www.howtofindmoneyforcollege.com. On the podcast, Tom, Maria, and Seth bring together leading experts in their fields who have experience in the college admission and career application process. They share their secrets so you can do it too. And now, here's your hosts, Tom, Maria, and Seth. Hi, everyone, and uh, welcome to another great podcast. Uh, I'm Maria Geffers from Career and College Counselors. And I am Tom Geffers, and today we have the pleasure of speaking to Lyman Winner, who is a a well-known chef in the resort area of the Poconos and uh, is part owner and chef in a uh, great restaurant called the Frogtown Chop House. So we're going to pick his brain a little bit today and see what it takes to be a chef. Right. So our essential question is, as Tom said, so you want to be a chef and mm. Lyman is going to tell us all about it. Thank you so much, Lyman, for being here. I really appreciate it. And we always start off our interview with if you could tell us the who you are, what you do, and what was your aha moment that you decided that this is a career that you wanted to pursue? Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. I love I love sharing my story, especially if it's going to help someone sort of uh, uh, navigate life a little bit more. Um, so my name is Lyman Winter. I'm now in the Poconos 15 years. Uh, I packed up my car, everything I had, all my possessions in my in my car in 2006 in October, and I moved up here and, and uh, landed in a bedroom with my future business partners they bought in a house um and then the rest is history i i started working uh i was three months at barley creek that's where i met my wife and uh she was a server and we happened to start chatting one night sitting at the bar having a cocktail and that was you know we just had our 13th wedding anniversary in september two kids um, we've had a couple dogs, we got a couple mortgages, <laughs> a couple car payments. The life has changed dramatically. Uh, I started in, graduated from high school in 1995 from Council Rock High School, that's in Bucks County. Um, and then I moved to Shippensburg University out in central Pennsylvania. And I did, uh, I was on the five year program. <laughs> the, the four slash five year program. Mm-hmm. Um, so my start at college was not great. 
I quickly realized that my parents weren't going to tell me what to do. They weren't going to wake me up in the morning. They weren't going to cook breakfast for me. And there was a big part of me that said, wow, that's amazing. So I would hit the snooze button many, many times or just not set an alarm. And I really struggled uh, from an educational standpoint. From a social standpoint, I was doing great. Uh, You know, lots of friends, lots of partying, um, lots of no one telling me what to do. I I, I did stay out of trouble, which was good, but it led to my first semester of being three D's and two C's. Mm -hmm. So I think that turned out to be like a 1.5 grade point average. Needless to say, my parents, who were extremely generous and were paying for college for me, were not thrilled. So I took a look at it, you know, and you get you get on academic probation, you get the look from your parents of disappointment. You know, that's the hardest one um, because I I have a very close relationship with my parents. Um, And and I and I took a step back. I recognized how um, generous they were being when I talked to other, you know, peers that said, you know, I'm I'm working all summer. I have to work at nights to, to start paying for college. I was extremely fortunate, very blessed. So I sort of figured it out really quickly. So my second semester freshman year, I I scaled back uh, my classes. I I went to 12 credits. I really sort of slowly, you know, um, figured out the the balance of social life. I can't see my hands and balancing there. Social life (laughs) and, and learning something because I do like learning. I do like classes. I like um, being instructed and, and, and gaining more knowledge and, and just being in that classroom setting. I always enjoyed it. I enjoyed it in high school. I enjoyed it uh, in college. Um, so I figured that out and, and, I, and I set rules for myself, which I guess, you know, looking back is, is, a, is a mature thing for a, an 18 year old to do. Um, and that's probably what starts setting people apart is when you set goals and rules and expectations for yourself. If you just sort of go through the process willy-nilly like and, and just stay as a, as a kid and, and do kid things, then that's then you sort of end up in a kid role in life. Um, wow. Which in the, in the restaurant industry, in the hospitality industry, I've dealt with quite a bit. And I really try to mentor some of these kids to move past that, even in their mid-20s, say, mm-hmm. look, if you want to take the next step, this is what you need to do. Um, so I, I, I worked through, I, I figured out school pretty quickly and then I worked all summer really, really hard. So I didn't have to work. I, I paid for my own housing. So I saved all my money during the summer. I, I, I was again, fortunate enough to get really decent paying jobs, 10, $12 an hour jobs back in, I gotta do some math. And I'm back in the late nineties, you know, 10, $12 an hour added up quite a bit to where I could pay for my housing and pay for food and pay for some partying and things like that when my parents took care of books and tuition. Uh, I was on the lacrosse team. So that, you know, that helped to be in a, in a community and we did um, community-based uh, activities. Um, and it kept everyone motivated to, to do good, to stay on the team and to continue to, you know, learn. I was in the Earth Space Science program at Shippensburg. 
So I studied, which I really loved, and it was a lot of in the field study because I wanted to be an environmental education teacher. Hmm. I went to school to be a uh, teacher, a secondary education teacher. So I studied things like meteorology and astrology and hydrology, and we would go out in the field and we would dissect um, crickets and grasshoppers. And one of my courses, instead of, I had the option of taking a, a night course which was the semester or going on a week long trip down the Susquehanna where we can't, we would uh, canoe, we would get in the Creek, we would turn over rocks. We would uh, analyze the, the water, you know, test the water. We would uh, um, document the critters that we found. We would uh, identify leaves. We, we did this. It was just a really, really unique and neat experience that gained me the credits as well. So I found the formula that worked for me and I stuck with 12 credits a semester. Hence the, uh, hence the, oh, talk about chef life. There's one of my chef friends calling me right now. I'll call him back though. Oh, that's <laughs> good. That's, that's <laughs> a really, Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, talk about a really good chef. That is Chef Nicola from Memento. He is uh, another one of my uh, peers, but he is way beyond me as far as, uh, you know, culinary knowledge and skills are. Um, so oh, I always I, answer I, his call. And, and I help him and he helps me. So Good. I've seen, I've seen you on, on TV with him, I think in the past, but how did you go from a science yeah. uh, major to hospitality? Did you make that switch in college or afterwards? I did not. Well, maybe, um, you know, so again, I loved college and then I got to the um, student teaching portion of it and I started doing well. I started getting 3.0s, you know, 3.5s. Uh, I, I really turned around. I even went back and took some, tried to retake some of those classes mm -hmm. to, to raise my GPA. Um, I took, I got a D in chemistry, which is, it's a really challenging course. And I said, Hey, I okay. want to change that. So I sort of set my mind to it and I ended up getting a D plus. <laughs> so it didn't really work out. Chemistry was just not my thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so 12 credits, I, I, I fit into 12 credits. It allowed me to get to classes, do good, and still have a social life, which, mm -hmm. which was a, is a big part right. of me. Uh, my family is very, very social. Growing up, we were always visiting friends. So fast forward to my fifth year when I was student teaching. And I took a, a look at myself and I visited the classrooms and I did it, you know, and I did very well. I got a 4.0 that I did all the work, but I really towards the end of it took a look at it and said, wow, I don't think I am ready to do this, mm -hmm. uh, which was a tough decision. And I sat with my dad again, very close with my father. And I said, I don't think I can be a teacher. The kids were pretty crazy. The students, <laughs> the, the, the adults, the, the parents that I had to interact with were, were crazy. I, I said, there's no way I can be responsible for a hundred kids a day. I can barely be responsible for myself. You know, as a young adult, I graduated, I was 21. Mm -hmm. um, so I, 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 I'm sorry, I was 22. I, I needed to just figure out life. I needed to figure out life a little bit more for myself before I settled into a career. So I went home. I worked at my friend's gym. You know, I worked out, I wiped down equipment and really had no idea. My mom came home one day from work and said, hey, a friend of mine went on a, a boat cruise up in Maine. She said it was really neat. 
probably something you should look into. Maybe it could be a summer job for you. So I called uh, Captain Ray, who owns three boats in Camden Harbor, Maine, the Grace Bailey, the Mercantile, and the Mistress. They're the green boats right uh-huh. in Camden Harbor, Maine. A beautiful, picturesque. If you've never been to Maine, go to Maine. Yeah, oh, no, we've been there. I, think, been, yeah, yeah. I think I see a, a little scooter in the background there. So how appropriate for uh, yeah. 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 our <laughs> no, we, we We've been in Camden. I mean, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful, beautiful area. country. Yeah. Yes. Oh, perfect. So, you know, yes. so I called up Captain Rain and I said, hey, and he talked about a salty sea dog. He's like, when you picture a captain on a schooner, that's Captain Ray. The beard, the, you know, six foot two, 280 pounds, just ready to cut a rope with his teeth or something. I don't know. Uh, so I called him. I said, hey, you know, I got your information, blah, blah, blah. He said, uh, no, I'm not going to try my captain, my salty sea captain voice, but he said, pack up a couple of things, come on up, we'll, we'll talk and see what happens. I said, okay. So I put together a big duffel bag of clothes and I threw it in the back of my car and whatever else I needed for a couple of days. And I drove from Bucks County to Camden, Maine, which is a ten about a ten hour drive. Yep. Yep. Um, so I showed up at Camden Harbor on a Friday evening at about five thirty. I didn't own a cell phone at this point. Pay phones were still a thing. Right. I pulled into Camden Harbor. I looked around. There was no one there. Um, I said, "Well, I'm here to, to no one." <laughs> so I. Got a couple quarters out of my car and I dialed his number on the payphone. And I said, Hey, I'm here. And he said, All right, I'll see you tomorrow. I said, Well, uh, <laughs> I, I don't really have anywhere to stay. Um, what, what? He's like, Oh, uh, uh, uh. you know, we kind of went back and forth a little bit. He said, All right, we'll drive out to my house, crash here for the night. I said, Okay. So I drove to his house. I slept on a couch out in his porch, got up the next day. And learned everything there was to learn about working on a schooner and cooking. Mm. That was my first professional cooking job. He said, you're going to be a cook. <laughs> said, All right, I can probably do that. Right. Um, that led to me being there for the whole season. I didn't, I didn't turn back and I didn't go home. He said, you know, after the first day of sort of hanging out, I said, all right, well, you're going to be on for the season. I said, oh, oh, okay, maybe I should have thrown in a couple more uh, clean socks. Um, which worked out great because you don't wear socks on the boat. So I was oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, so that was my first and, and um, talk about an amazing experience. I mean, it was life, life changing for me. That, that sort of, that was my aha moment. That's mm-hmm. when I said, wow, I can cook for a living. Mm-hmm. So it was all, um, all homemade recipes out of a, out of a recipe book. It was a cast iron wood burning stove. Mm-hmm. There was an ice box. So the ice man would come after every cruise and we'd load up ice, we'd load up provisions. There were two, three, and five day cruises all through the Penobscot Bay, all through the, those um, islands, uh, mm-hmm. right. Deer Island and Little Deer Island and, mm-hmm. and um, uh, Rockland and Rockport. Um, up to even one time we made it from Camden Harbor to uh, Bar Harbor, which was like mm-hmm. a whole big thing. They maybe get the right conditions to do that uh, once a season. So that was a really special trip. So everything from scratch, you slept, right? I slept in the galley. 
it's this is a 120 foot scooter, all wood, no electricity, no running water. Mm. Had to, you had to pump your own water. There was uh, a string of car batteries that did lights for the cabins. So 30, 30 passengers, six crew. And I would start the fire every morning around 4.20 in the morning, a little bacon grease from the day before and some kindling. And that fire had to burn all day long because right. it took about 45 minutes to an hour to an hour and a half to get hot. And if it cools down to start it again, it was a whole nother process. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was extremely important that that fire was, was, you know, it was my first really step into responsibility and, and uh, you know, getting the job done, mm-hmm. which there were several fails. I mean, there were some big fails. When you're in the middle of the Penobscot Bay and you're supposed to make lasagna, but you forgot to get the lasagna noodles on the boat. Uh, yeah, you're in trouble. Huh? Then you're in big trouble. Yeah. And, you know, you can't really explain to guests, well, we're not having lasagna, we're going to have lettuce tonight, you know, <laughs> but we worked through that one. I think one of my, one of my crew helped me, we, we ended up using like spaghetti noodles and making layers like that. And it sort of worked out. Right. Um, but yeah, an extremely hard job. That was 420 every morning. You didn't, you couldn't sleep into 440. You couldn't hit the snooze because guests are expecting coffee at six mm-hmm. o'clock. And mm-hmm. if the oven's not hot enough to, it was a percolator. If the oven's mm-hmm. not hot enough to percolate coffee, then what do you, how do you look at someone and say, oh, sorry, I, I slept 20 minutes too long. Right. So, so, it's, um, it, so if, if, it sounds like you fell into cooking kind of by accident, being a chef by accident, uh, which, which, is a lot, which happens a lot with people that we speak to. They start off doing something mm-hmm. and then they end up doing what they really like to do and really love to do. But, you know, after you, you know, kind of fell into this and started cooking and learning things from recipes, did you do any education after that formal education or you just learn by uh, everyday experience? I did. I did. So I. Um, so anyway, amazing experience in Maine. I could go on and on. If you want another podcast about cool <laughs> stories, we could do that. Right. So on, on the schooner, I'll, I'll, I will lead into, to, yes, formal education. Um, so on the schooner, we, I met a couple, uh, Jack and Yasmin, really lovely couple. We got to talking and they owned a bed and breakfast in Aspen, Colorado called the Holland House Ski Lodge, another seasonal job. And they said, um, why don't you, and there was another, uh, uh, crew on the boat, Rich, why don't you guys come out for the season and work for us? They employed every year, uh, six guys and a cook. So there were seven of us. So Rich and I said, absolutely. Now I'm 23, you know, still no strings attached. I had no cell phone. I had no car payment. I paid, um, I, I didn't have health insurance. I paid for um, my, my car insurance. That was it for my parents. That was my only, like literally my only bill and no one holding me back from doing anything. So we packed up the car again and moved to Aspen, Colorado, the Holland House Ski Lodge, right at the base of Lift 1A on Aspen Mountain. Again, another amazing experience. So I had a string of really fun years. So I cooked there. I cooked breakfast. And that really started to, to, to get the ball rolling on me being a professional cook for a living. Um, they asked me to stay out there. Things happened. It was really a party scene. Um, the hospitality industry is, is tough. If you don't have mm-hmm. some filters on your life, you'll mm-hmm. get 
you'll get really chewed up in the, in the hospitality industry. There are a lot of um, there's a lot of partying. I don't know how PG or R we want to take this uh, uh, this podcast, but um, there's a lot a lot going on, a lot to process as a young adult, and a lot of people get caught up that caught up in that, and they can't move forward. Mm-hmm. I was able to just like that my second semester freshman year, I was able to figure out a balance of work and play. Um, like my like my dad now affectionately known as Pappy, you got to pay to play. <laughs> which I always did. And my, my son loves it when I say that. You know? uh, so cooked, I, I cooked at the Holland House Ski Lodge, had a great time out there. They said, hey, would you like to stay? Things had happened. Uh, you know, I said, no, nah, mm-hmm. I think I need to get back to my family and my friends on the East Coast. So I packed up my car again and drove back, um, back home. Uh, again, still not really sure what I was going to do. My great uncle then passed away. I was home for a year. I think I probably went back to working. Oh, I worked at a, a daycare for one of my, my great college friends. She asked me if I wanted to come do the summer program with her. So back in education a little bit, sort of mentoring kids, working with uh, young kids. Um, and that was fun. It passed the time. I had a couple good summers. Um, I was making some money. I moved in with my childhood best friend. We got a place together, which was really cool. And then my great uncle passed away. I wasn't super close with him. Something happened in the family that he was sort of put off from the family and family events. But my great aunt uh, was essentially like a third grandmother to me. We share the same birthday, which was really cool our whole lives. Um, and we were very, very tight. So I moved with her. I moved in with her to sort of help. It was just a couple months after he passed away. I said, hey, I'm going to move up and hang out with you for a little bit. And she said, that would be great. I would love that. So I set up a, a room in the basement. And I started working at the Waterfront Tavern, which is a really cool place. It has, has unfortunately, has since burned down. So it is no longer there. Um, but that is where I started my my career that's really what sort of launched me it was a cheesesteak and burger place um and there were days that i was the the chef i was the host i was the bartender and i was the server mm-hmm. you know if five people came in it was like wow this is busy and i start running around like crazy you know and the owner showed me a little bit you know at least the menu that was at the time and then my uncle got involved in the restaurant and he sort of took over and transformed it into a uh, filet and crab cakes and, mm-hmm. you know, chicken marsala. Um, he brought in a chef, Gary, who was my first mentor and taught me how to make a roast of pepperoni by roasting the pepper and, and peeling the char and, you know, incorporating it with whipped uh, egg yolks and making things from scratch. And, and um, he was a bit on the same path as I was. He had just spent a time in Vail, a season in Vail, doing sort of the same thing, but then made his way back to this was his hometown, and he took over as the chef there, and I learned everything I could from him. He taught me how to make chicken marsala. He taught me how to make roast red pepper yogurt. He taught me sauces. He taught me how to grill. He taught me how to put things together. He taught me how to order how to inventory. I mean, he taught me everything I wanted to know. Him and I were, and we were similar in age. I think he's probably like 
four or five years older than me, but that was enough that he had that extra five years of experience that he right. really sort of um, put me on the right path to being a chef and to like understanding how to run and operate a kitchen. What drew me into the industry was the partying at night, was the, you know, hanging out till 3 a.m. and having mm. a couple of drinks at the bar and meeting people and, you know, the excitement of that is what drew me in to be a chef. And then I said, you know what, this was, I was there for about a year and a half, um, side by side with him, you know, five, six, seven days a week, 10, 12 hour days. And I said, you know what, dude, I'm going to go to culinary school. because I want to be a chef. I want my own kitchen. I want to do my own thing. He said, cool, man, you know, make it happen. So I called up a college, an old college buddy of mine. Zuby, that's the last his nickname. No, that's the last name, but I would call him Zuby. I said, Zub, dude, I'm going to move to Baltimore. Now I'm 20. No, the math is off. I was um, whatever, <laughs> early, early 20s. I said, Zub, I'm moving down to Baltimore. I'm going to go to culinary school. Do you want to come with me? <laughs> okay. <laughs> said, oh, man, I don't know. He was living at his, he was in Harrisburg. He was like, he had a job. And he's like, dude, I, I don't, I don't think so. I was like, oh man, I was like really defeated because I wanted a sidekick to go with. I was like, all right, fine, fine, fine. Thirty minutes later, he he called me back. Now I had a cell phone. Now I finally got a cell phone. I think, <laughs> I think like when I was twenty three or twenty four, um, finally got a cell phone. And he said, seventeen. What's seven? I was twenty six. I was twenty five. Call me right back. He said, you know what? I changed my mind. Let's do it. I said, yes. Awesome. So again, I packed up my car, found an apartment. I applied. I applied for culinary school. I got accepted culinary school, Baltimore International College, uh, which I think is no longer there. Also, um, they ran into issues. Um, packed up our cars. We, we drove down to Baltimore. Got a third floor apartment right in right by Patterson Park, in uh, right in downtown Baltimore, right on Pratt Street. Uh, it was a pretty sketchy neighborhood, but you know, we were two young strapping guys, uh, you know, we could handle ourselves. And I, so I went to culinary school. I got, and then I got my associate's degree, um, in professional cooking, I believe is the official title. So seven years of college and I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, and again, I was very fortunate because Right at the end of my um, learning, at, at getting my degree, I was offered a job in the on-campus kitchen. So they ran, um, I won't even think of what the name of it was, the Baltimore oh. Grill or something. I, I can't think what the name of the restaurant was, the Baltimore International College. Due, due to some time constraints here, uh, Lyman, I want to fast forward a little bit into your current position. You're a chef, well-known restaurant, uh, a very successful mm -hmm. restaurant. Yep. What does your typical day look like as a chef? You just got a call from somebody talking to us, but what is your typical day? What are the problems you run into and how do you put out the fires every day to uh, put out a great uh, menu? Sure. I will give you, I will bridge the gap from there to here. Real, real, I'll wrap it up real quick. I became an instructor at Baltimore International College. 
one of my students, Steve, who you both know, Steve and Joy, Steve was a student of mine. We got to talking one day about opening bed and breakfast at restaurant in Poconos. I said, hey, I, you'll need a chef. He said, absolutely. We had a great conversation. That I ended up moving up here with them. We had the Frogtown Inn, transitioned to the Frogtown Chop House. Right. The Frogtown Chop House in 2012, I was there every day working. I ran the grill. So my typical day back then is very, very different than my typical day now. Mm -hmm. um, I am probably more of an owner than a chef at this point, although I do a lot of chefy things and I do a lot of special events. For example, we have our Haunted Vineyard Wine Dinner coming up on Monday and Tuesday. That's a very specialized event. We transform the restaurant into a whole scene. This year, the, the theme is Dead Men Tell No Tales. So it's a very um, uh, um, Pirates of the Caribbean, and it's all seafood menu. So those are the chefy things I do now. I do wedding events at the new uh, venue, Pocono Palms. I'm there for catered events and things like that. Back in the day, I would start to finish. I would turn on the fryers. I would turn on the oven. I would do all the ordering, the inventory, the scheduling. I would clean um, under the stove. I did the dishes, I took trash out, I swept things, I, I cleaned up messes, I did whatever it took to get the job done. And that's always been my MO. Whatever it takes to get the job done. And that has worked out very well for me. And I, I feel like I'm successful in my career at this point. I did that for years. Um, luckily, I was, and fortunately enough, I was, uh, I met Eric, my business partner. And he ran the front of this was after one year of being there. Eric came in as my business partner and we own the business 50-50. Uh, well, our wives as well. So we're all 25% partners, the, the, the two couples. Each, each partner has 25% stake. Um, he ran the front of the house. I ran the back of the house mm -hmm. for years and years. And that's what we did. Um, and then we sort of started transitioning away from that as we found people to fill our spots to fill in for us that we trusted you know with our finances with our with our livelihood really mm -hmm. uh, right. found a general manager kara who is now there several years she basically runs the restaurant um you know if you know anything about the, the hospitality industry the general manager is really the one that gets it done mm -hmm. that was like um she does what we did before we had titles mm -hmm. um right. <clears throat> You know, so now I'm transitioning into making other business plans. Uh, mm -hmm. We're working on outside ventures outside of the restaurant. We, we've been fortunate enough that we can step back. The restaurant can control itself. Um, we're, we're now more of the decision makers. We come in, we have manager meetings, which are extremely important for the success of any business, especially the restaurant business. We have manager meetings at least every other week, if not once a week, to make sure that everyone's on the same page and what we can do to help. What, what you know, continued, uh, continually setting expectations, what we're right. expecting our team to do and what our team is expecting of us. Mm -hmm. what, what do they need from us and what do we need from them? Right. So, and that's so, kind of where we're at now. We, we, we survived COVID and we're doing mm -hmm. very well. And, um, you know, we're now, we're now into, um, working on other ventures. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. My father was in the uh, you know, hospitality business down in New York City a long, long time ago. 
And I remember um, he always had to work on the holidays when everyone else is off. Of course, he and like, you know, is working. How do you try to balance your day, like your your family commitments? Because, you know, you are a family man as well as your career. How do you balance that? That's very difficult to do with you being gone a lot of the holidays. There were years and years and years. And I try to tell this to people, and maybe this is a cautionary tale, if, if this doesn't make sense in your brain, but I sacrificed and missed many birthdays, mm-hmm. many family functions. Um, I've worked on probably almost all of my birthdays. This year, my birthday fell on a Sunday. I was lucky I had an amazing day. I laid around, I watched football and didn't do too much of anything. <laughs> Eat pizza and watch football. And it was amazing. Oh, I actually got to go off in the morning because it was beautiful. My, my birthday was on October 3rd. Um, but the year before, last year, October 3rd, 2020, fell on a Saturday. And I worked all day. I, mm-hmm. I worked. I put in a 12-hour shift. And part of that was so that I could say, hey, I worked on my birthday. And other people go, well, it's my birthday. I, I need to take off. <laughs> you know, and some people's birthdays turn into birthday weeks. Oh, yeah, I'm off yes. for the whole week. You know, okay, for your 30th birthday, for your 40th birthday, I get it. Um, the balance, um, there was no balance. For years, there was no balance. I worked. I t- my wife understood that because she worked as well. Okay. Um, before we had kids. And then, you know, as the kids got older, there were a lot of times, several times that my kids, when they were younger, said, uh, you know, Daddy, I don't want you to go to work. I want to play with you. You know, and that's always that there were several times that it was like, you know, they were pretty upset that I was walking out the door and as was I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry, sweetie. I got to go uh, to work, you know? Yeah. Um, and then they started to understand what was happening. And now I, again, am extremely fortunate. I don't know what I did. I guess. I don't know. I, I, I pray a lot. I believe in God. And I think I do the right things in life. Um that that god has blessed me and i this last summer was amazing i spent most of the summer with my family hanging out doing things going places uh and that is attributed to the fact that eric and i have built an amazing team that can run our restaurant without us there daily right mm-hmm. um, but there was to, to answer your question there was not a balance i i worked i worked every holiday uh, as a matter of fact, I will work every holiday this year. I'll be there Thanksgiving, I'll be there Christmas Eve, and I'll be there New Year's Eve. Well, one of the nice things I remember with my father, because he worked obviously New Year's Eve, is we would always get the, uh, you know, the, the stuff that was left over, the balloons and the hats and the blowers, oh, you know, fun. the ticklers. So, I mean, that kind of, you know, kind of made uh, up for some of those those yeah. holidays that, you know, miss. And as you said, kids get used, you know, kids get used to it. We're very uh, flexible, if you will. But, you know, kind of wrapping up, uh, you know, Lyman, I think what you're telling us is that your experience, uh, all of your ups and downs and your strength and your discipline has allowed you to create a great business because Tom and I have eaten there often and it is superb, just to let you know. And um, you've been able to do this successfully because of your determination, your uh, gift of planning, and uh, your grit. Your, your grit. <laughs> but, and I think that's something that our, our listeners need to know, that the hospitality industry is not for the faint-hearted. 
if you love what you do, you know, you can do it. And it's a, a very rewarding uh, right. career, but it's not for the faint hearted. You right. have to be strong and you have to love. You have to have that love of of passion, you know, that you that you have. It right. definitely takes a passion for serving guests. Yes. And dealing with guests. Yes. It is quite challenging. Yes, you have to be able to, you have to have the ability to work hard and do six, seven day weeks and take time when you can, when it's offered to you. But the most important thing ever, and I think this goes across the board, and this is something I, I in it, listened to in a Warren Buffett interview. The thing that made him extremely successful is his team. That's mm -hmm. it. I'm not successful because of me. I can work as hard as I want, but if no one else shows up to support me, if my team doesn't show up to support me, I, I'm, I'm very little on my own. I can uh -huh. cook for a couple people, but I can certainly not cook for 150 or 200. It's uh -huh. only about team. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's all about team and only about team. So you surround yourself and that's in life too. That's your mm -hmm. partner. That's your friends. That's who you associate with. Um, and then in work, it's building a team of people that you trust mm -hmm. that, that oh. will get the job done and be there to support you. Right. Relationships. Well, before we close uh, here today, I want to thank you, uh, Lyman, yes. for all of the great information you get. And we may have to revisit you again, <laughs> yes. like you said, because there were lots of, of stories we didn't get to, including the COVID and how you right. handled that. Yeah, that's, a, that's a great story. That's a whole other podcast. So uh, if someone wants to get in contact with you, uh, what is the best way for them to do that? Uh, so I check, um, <laughs> you also have to be a little bit OCD, I think. So I check <laughs> my email incessantly. So we, uh, you can find me at info at the frogtownchophouse.com. Great. Okay, well, thank you again. And we will schedule it because yeah, I think there's a lot more to cover. Here. Right. And I think what you have experienced in your career is, as you said, transferable to many other careers. And the COVID-19 definitely is and was a great uh, benchmark in everybody's life. So, you know, thank you yeah. so much, Lyman, again. And I want to thank our listeners uh, for listening and getting mm -hmm. some really pearls of wisdom. Uh, sometimes careers aren't straight line. They take a lot of curves. And I think Lyman right. has kind of showed us that. So I'm Maria Geffers. And I am Tom Geffers. And we're from Career and College Counselors. And we hope to see you again. Thank you very much. Thank you. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer.